0: Everybody, everybody, Dick Vitale. Hey, make sure you listen, man, to Locked On Blue Devils with J.J. Jackson. He's awesome, baby. You are Locked On Blue Devils, your daily podcast on the Duke Blue Devils, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody, welcome to another episode of the Locked On Blue Devils Podcast. My name is J.J. Jackson, and it's so great to have you here with us on this Friday, May 19th, 2023. Hope that you're doing well out there wherever you may be watching or listening. To Lockdown Blue Devils. Lockdown Blue Devils, of course, is your daily podcast devoted to everything going on in the life of Duke Athletics. Want to give some love to the Duke baseball team as they're in their final series of the regular season. Duke softball getting ready to open up the big Durham Regional this weekend. And on today's show, of course, we're going to focus more on Duke basketball. Ernest Uday Jr. was in town for a visit. We'll talk about that and what to expect moving forward for John Shire's team here on the program. If you haven't done so already, please be sure to follow and subscribe to this podcast for free wherever you get your podcasts. Also hit that subscribe button if you're watching us on YouTube. Again, your support of the program means the absolute world to us. Follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils, and I'm on Twitter at underscore JJ underscore Jackson underscore. As we welcome in my very good pal Connor O'Neill from Devils Illustrated. Back into the show once again. Connor, it's great to see you as always. Thanks for being here.
1: Good to, good to stop by. Good to uh, be seen and, and <laughs> see you, JJ.
0: Absolutely, man. We've got a lot to catch up on and definitely want to talk a good bit about this Duke basketball program and what they've been up to as of late. But uh, the spring sports, off to a good start and, uh, and kind of ending strong here. I failed to even mention Duke men's lacrosse being the number one overall seed in the tournament getting ready for a big quarterfinal matchup. So I know you pay attention to some of the other happenings across the ACC and there in Durham as well. It's a good time of year.
1: Yeah, the spring always uh, – it, it always creeps up on you because <laughs> you, you get through basketball season sometime in March or April and then all of a sudden you're like, okay, let's pick up the pieces on the 18 million spring sports happening and they're – oh, by the way, they're already all halfway through their seasons. yeah. Um, so it's kind of like drinking from a, from a hose. But, um, yeah, uh, Duke is, is having a great year. Uh, should lead to, to a good finish in the Director's Cup. Uh, I think that's officially the Stanford Director's Cup because Stanford <laughs> always seems to run away with that thing. But we'll see how far up the ladder Duke climbs this year.
0: Yeah, that's always got to be the goal, right, to have the well-rounded athletic departments, every team finishing strong across campus and that sort of thing. So uh, let's talk about this basketball team. Of course, you look at uh, that cup in particular, an ACC tournament championship in men's basketball will help for this past season. But now that that season has come to a close, trying to figure out what in the world this roster is going to look like. And our week started uh, with Jeremy Roach announcing that uh, he's locked in. He's running it back for year four. Stay the course was the branding on the Duke basketball image featuring him and six, the banner that was, Uh, Still waiting to be hung there inside Cameron Indoor Stadium. So uh, Roach's decision ultimately to return for a senior season. Talk to us about this, Connor. How did we get here? What did you think?
1: Yeah, I mean, you never want to discredit somebody that has accomplished what Jeremy's accomplished in college, but I just don't know how much of an appetite there is for him with the NBA. Uh, He's a smaller guard. Um, He's better when he plays off the ball so it's not like he's really uh, making himself an appetizing option for to be a point guard in the NBA um it's just it's it's a matter of there being this divide between what makes a good college guard and what the NBA is looking for in their guards and the the gap is widening um so I look at Jeremy as somebody that man, he's, he's a really good college basketball player. Uh, there's no doubt about that. But then you also wonder how much of a future he has in the NBA, um, whether he might be better served going and playing in Europe at some point. So I say all that to say it it shouldn't come as a surprise that he's back at Duke, uh, that, he, that he left, that he evaluated his options. Like that put it in some doubt. But uh, we heard – a couple of weeks ago, uh, on my message board, we had a, a subscriber who's pretty plugged in who dropped a note that said, you know, Jeremy Roach is, is leaning toward coming back. Um, we kind of, we were preparing for that for a couple weeks. Um, I had the story written even, uh, probably, <laughs> probably more than 10 days before the actual announcement came. Um, I, I don't want to go so far as to say this was always going to be the case but it always seemed like the most likely outcome. Uh, and for Duke, I, I, I wrote um, a few weeks back, Jeremy Roach return is a luxury at this point for, the, for what this roster looks like, uh, for what we think Duke has in Caleb Foster and Jared McCain to pair them with returning guards in Tyrese Proctor and Jeremy Roach. Man, that's uh, that's a lot of ball handling. That's a lot of shooting. That's a lot of playmaking. And you can never have too much of any of those things in college basketball these days.
0: Yeah, no doubt about that. I, I think instantly when we talked about it at the start of the week, Roach's decision to come back for another year. A lot of people uh, a little worried about what that meant for the guard spots. Would people want to leave now at this point? Get a little late for those things to take place, and and then I think people were uh, calmed down by t- you know those high schoolers, Jared McCain and, and Caleb Foster, being so excited and on social media platforms about Roach making that decision to return?
1: Yeah, it's kind of frustrating. Um, one of the worst parts of this job is tracking down internet rumors and having to confirm them with people that aren't aware of them and aren't aware of how absurd they are. So <laughs> uh, that, that was that was my couple, you know, 28, 24 to 48 hours there. I was trying to track down, okay, if Jeremy Roach comes back, is Caleb Foster going to leave? Uh, is he going to ask out of his letter of course the transfer portal deadline passed last week so you're already secure with jalen blakes and jaden shoot so it's just now all the focus shifts to the to the two incoming freshmen like hey maybe maybe there was behind the scenes discussion but everything i heard literally everything i heard was these guys are committed to duke They've been committed to Duke for a long time. Yeah. Like that's that bears in mind these weren't just guys that Duke picked up a couple months ago. Right. Um, I think both of them were committed for more than a year before they signed, if I have that timing right. 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 Yeah. I mean, they they were steadfast. Uh they they did not leave. They they have not asked out yet. I, I would be I I would I would be completely shocked if Caleb Foster, Jared McCain, ask out of their letter at this point.
0: Yeah, I think they're locked in. I I think it doesn't help that uh, the McKenzie and Baco situation took place, right, that you had an incoming freshman now out of a letter of intent, now committing to another program. Like That's fresh on the brain, and so here's a guard coming back. Maybe we can connect the dots, and there's something there. But that's not the case. Those guys are locked in, and they're ready to play. Let's talk more about what this team could look like specifically How in the world do you utilize all those guards and more? And we'll do that after our first time out here on today's episode of Locked on Blue Devils. Locked on Blue Devils is brought to you by one of our new exciting sponsors here of the Locked on Network. And that's our friends over at Bird Dogs. One of my favorite apparel brands now joining the mix here with us at Locked on Blue Devils. Why I love them so much. Fit, comfort, and versatility. The fit looks better on everybody, and we certainly look great wearing bird dog products. The comfort with this stretchy fabric material makes your whole legs look shape and comfier than any other shorts or pants that you might be wearing. And the versatility, of course, wearing one pair on the golf course, maybe another to a meeting on a date, hanging out with friends. Bird dogs is the best fit for you out there. You've got to incorporate this into your wardrobe and lifestyle. Moving forward, so go to birddogs.com slash college. promo code LockedOnCollege, and when you do that, they'll throw in a free custom Bird Dogs Yeti-style tumbler with every order. Again, birddogs.com slash college and use that promo code LockedOnCollege. Moving forward here on today's episode of Locked On Blue Devils, JJ Jackson alongside my pal, Connor O'Neill from Devils Illustrated, you gave a hat tip to one of your subscribers just a moment ago. I'm happy to be a part of your community there uh, at Rivals and uh, Devils Illustrated as well. A couple of other great Rivals teams uh, put together there. But why should folks be a part of your team? What kind of content can they expect, Connor?
1: Yeah, just just that. Um, you know, the the subscriber notes, uh, the the inside information. Um, I'm not the greatest salesman. But I, I do think we have something good going on. Uh, it's it's logical discussion. Uh, it's it's measured. I take pride in that. Uh, I don't want to have the knee-jerk reactions to every little thing that happens in the course of a game, uh, in the course of an offseason. Uh, but... Yeah, uh, it's it's a good community we've got brewing at Devils Illustrated, and uh, I hope folks will join us.
0: I would recommend it so much. Make sure you make that a part of your day, and of course, uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, you could see there Connor's Twitter handle, where you could see all of the easy contents, or at Duke Rivals uh, to get some Devils Illustrated content right there as well. All right, so Roach comes back for one more season. Now we've got a scholarship left to play with. If you're the Duke Blue Devils and they had a visitor in town over the last few days and a former All-American, a former Kansas Jayhawk. What can you tell us about Ernest Uday Jr., Connor?
1: Yeah, in, in uh, I don't even know if I need to be subtle here. I, I don't know how long that scholarship is going to be available. Like, I, I think <laughs> – I think Duke's search for the the five man that can play rim protector uh, and, and get in the dunker spot down low offensively, I think that search is over. Uh, a lot can change. Like things can turn on a dime these days in college sports. Uh, that's that's not making the transfer portal and NIL out to be the boogeyman. Uh, it is legitimately like things flip instantly these days. But I I. I am pretty confident uh, Ernest Uday will wind up at Duke next season. Um, and that's a big get. Like, that's, that's what Duke needs. Um, Duke was in the running for a lot of different fives, uh, felt good about some, and just kind of threw their hat in the ring to, to kick the tires on others. And uh, Ernest Uday Jr. is one that, when he entered uh, in light of the Hunter Dickinson to Kansas move, that was one that immediately had Duke's attention. Um, There was no, you know, to use an example, uh, Caden Shedrick came for an unofficial. um, Caden Shedrick had Duke in his final, I think it was a final four or five. It always felt like Duke just was keeping him warm, but he wasn't the number one priority for them. Uh, It doesn't feel like that with Ernest Zuday Jr. Uh, It feels like Ernest was... Locked in, the priority target. Uh, I keep using locked in and locked on. We're plugging the name here. But, yeah, I, I I feel relatively confident uh, Duke's open scholarship will not be open for very much longer.
0: Yeah, a couple of other schools obviously appear to be in the mix, possibly. But I think riding the high off of uh, the visit as of late, we're seeing more – Um, crystal ball projections and predictions and people trying to figure out where in the world uh, he's going to go. I think more steam and momentum being picked up there in favor of Duke. If you're watching us on YouTube, you could see once again, some numbers from Ernest Uday's freshman year uh, at Kansas, 30 games played about eight minutes per contest for those listening to us in the podcast form. Uh, But uh, really a spark plug off the bench and limited opportunities, quite honestly, uh, with a great player like Jalen Wilson kind of in front of him and taking the majority of the minutes there for Kansas this past season. On the floor, what is Duke getting in Ernest Uday Jr. if he were
1: to commit? Duke is getting a shot blocker. Um, he he had a block percentage of 7.7 7 per Kempom. Uh, if he had played enough minutes, that's not nearly enough minutes to qualify for the national leaders. Uh the side note there is Derek Lively didn't play enough minutes to qualify for it until like late January, early February. This year, <laughs> wow. He wound up third with a block rate of about 12.7. Um, so Ernest Uday, 7.7. That would, if he had qualified, if he played the minutes to qualify, he would have ranked in the top 50. Uh, I think it was either 46th or 47th in the country. So you're getting a guy that can protect the paint. Uh, you're not getting a guy that can do everything that Derek Lively could do as far as guard on the perimeter and give you a legitimate switch one through five option. Because, quite frankly, Derek Lively Jr., or er, Derek Lively the second, is a unicorn. I mean, he's just, he's going to be the first ACC player off the board for a reason. He's a seven foot one guy with, I think, the measurements of the combine were a seven seven wingspan for him. Wow. He's just ridiculous. You, you I, I kind of went through the last month and a half or so saying that Duke's requirement in replacing Derek Lively was find somebody that can do half of the things Derek could do. And that is just stand in the paint uh, and, and protect the rim. Keep teams from straight line driving and attacking Duke's paint uh, aggressively, uh, as we saw teams do when Derek was not uh, up to speed for the first two months of the season, really. So, I think Ernest checks those boxes from from what little I know of him. Uh, it's not like we saw much of him from at Kansas, and you know he'll get better. Uh, depending on when he when or if he commits, and when or if he gets to Duke, he'll work with Chris Carwell and Emil Jefferson, uh, John Shire, and Derek sang Emil Jefferson's praises throughout the season of of how closely Emil worked with with Derek, Um, that'll be huge. It's, it's not like they don't have good pro, uh, talent developed developers at Kansas, but different voices can, can usually help in a situation like this where a guy is a McDonald's all American doesn't have the type of impact as a freshman that some would have expected out of a top 30 or 40 recruit. Um, yeah, this this will be this will be helpful for him. Uh, this will be helpful for Duke's staff.
0: I talked about it as of late. The five spot in recent memories from Mark Williams to Derek Lively the second to potentially Ernest Uday Jr. Pretty good when you're looking at the impact there on the defensive end of the floor. And I think at this point with all the guards returning, uh, with Kyle Filipowski uh, in the mix as always, anything you get offensively is just a bonus with uh, with someone like Ernest Uday.
1: Yeah, that's and and that's something that uh, we. It, it kind of. It, it wasn't. It it didn't quite reach the level of cliche, but we heard throughout the last two two to three months of the season for Duke, how much more confident Tyrese Proctor, Jeremy Roach, and Mark Mitchell could play defensively because they knew they had an eraser on the inside. They knew that. If they got beat, if they sagged off their man and played a passing lane right. and, and gave up a drive, Derek was going to be there. Um, and, man, it's, <laughs> I, it's not like I played college basketball. I can't speak to that level. But <laughs> uh, the way they explained it, it is it left such a uh, freedom for them defensively to know that they had a safety valve back there in Derrick and, and they weren't going to just get dunked on all the time. Um, that's huge. And, and that's basically, you know, that's asking a lot of Ernest Sude, but you'll, your trade off is, hey, offensively, just go stand on the block, um, catch some lobs when our guards penetrate, get some offensive rebounds and, and you'll be doing everything that we need you to do.
0: Get to it. We love it. We love it. We'll see uh, what this hap- if it happens. Ultimately, if the commitment comes through, uh, we'll be in a good spot there, I think, with Duke basketball going into the upcoming season. So let's take one more final time out here on the program. Connor O'Neill from Devils Illustrated is here with us today on Locked On Blue Devils. Thanks so much, as always, for making Locked On Blue Devils your first listen or first watch each and every day there on YouTube. Again, hit that subscribe button. Give this video a like. Comment below what you're thinking about when it comes to Duke basketball this next season. I've seen a lot of really good comments taking place down below, and definitely do appreciate your support here of the program. If you haven't done so already as well, be sure to check out Locked On College Basketball. It's one of our best podcasts out there right now. Everyone getting ready for the NBA draft, a final review of some of these college stars from a year ago, what to expect from them at the next level, a draft combine recap from the events taking place they're in Chicago and so much more. Isaac Shade and Andy Patton do a remarkable job taking you around the world of college basketball. Check that out wherever you get your podcast or on YouTube. Found a few moments here on today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils. JJ Jackson, alongside my pal Connor O'Neill from Devils Illustrated. All right, so we're talking about the Duke basketball team. Uh, preparing for the upcoming season, always talking, recruiting uh, with what John Shire has to do and building this program. And so many people want to take place or take a look at least at what the future looks like. And as we mentioned a little bit earlier, this, this off season, this last four, six weeks, it's been a short off season so far, uh, a big win for Shire to get players returning for their sophomore season, right? In the freshman class, you could see there, if you're watching us on YouTube, we've got some scholarship math that's been posted here. A lot of those freshmen turning into sophomores this upcoming year and trying to look at sort of the future of this Duke basketball team. Guys are going to leave. We get that. But again, credit to Duke for being one of very few, if not the only kind of big program out there that did not have a single scholarship player enter the transfer portal following this past season
1: yeah i think that's right i think uh duke is the only power six team to not have a player leave wow. via the transfer portal wow. and then you you pair that with getting um not just jeremy roach who entered the draft and then came back you pair it with you have three sophomores that started a almost every game or every game in the case of Kyle Filipowski, not even test the waters, and just announce that they're coming back uh, with Kyle and Tyrese Proctor and Mark Mitchell. So, you know, we overstate culture. Uh, I I think part of that is because we don't really fully understand it. Like, how can you or I understand the culture of Duke's basketball program without actually being in the day-to-day operation and being in the the building with them? But I, I think you evaluate culture based on the results that you see. Um, not what people say necessarily and the results are it must be really fun to play for John Shire and and play in this program because of of what you've seen in the last uh, you know two months or so since the season ended Um, Ryan Young is a guy that I kind of late in the season I was kind of looking at and saying yeah you know he's he's got another year of eligibility but does he really want to use it like he's got He's got a degree from Northwestern and a graduate degree from Duke. I would imagine he's a bright enough guy to make some, yeah, make some headway in the business world or whatever he wants to do. Um, and he chooses to come back for another season. He won't he's not done with his playing career. Um, so yeah, it just it it speaks volumes to to what Duke has going for it, and uh, it's. You know, now now you can focus on the, the good problems to have. You can focus on well, you know, how are we going to get four guards onto the onto the floor uh, to to kind of maximize their impacts? How do how do Sean Stewart and TJ Power, two top twenty recruits, fit into the mix when you have Filipowski, Mitchell, uh, maybe Ernest Uday, Ryan Young inside? Like, where do you fit in the two those two freshmen? uh how much of a jump do christian reeves and jaden shoot make from year one to year two right um there's there's a there's a roster here that screams uh number one or maybe number two preseason uh rank and uh it's it's um it's gonna be an interesting season for them this year
0: So our our sample size so far is just one season, right? And going into an off season. So, uh, you know, you can't necessarily make this the norm. We do understand that we're in an uh, ever-changing world of college basketball player movement is at an all-time high. uh, And I think we'll probably be that way for several years to come here in the fold. So not exactly the best measure to kind of continue to forecast these guys staying around forever. They've got big decisions to make, and a lot of guys are going to be sought after in regards to the next level of their playing careers. But this freshman class in particular, again, super early in all of this, Connor, but it does feel as though they could be set up for a couple of years, making the scholarship situation a little bit easier for John Shire and his staff to not frequently have to look at turning over year after year after year with what that'll look like.
1: Yeah. And that's what John wants. Um, John does not want to mi- put all of his eggs in the one and done basket. Uh, he wants guys that are going to stick around for a second or third year. Um, I don't know how realistic it is to, to expect guys to give you all four years in this day and age, but at least get into that second year. Um, as we're seeing with, with flip Mitchell and Proctor, um, This year's freshman class, I think there are guys that can help them immediately. But I think it's a lot more about how much they develop this year and then how prepared they are for large roles entering their sophomore seasons. Um, And that goes to, you know, you've basically got to fight the same fight that you just fought. Uh, You've got to keep them happy through their freshman seasons. Um, You're not going to be able to play them as much as the as the freshman that just played for you. Like that, that you, you've yeah. got one, you've got one group coming back that dictates how much you can do with the next group, but um, but yeah, I I uh, I think that pay attention to to Foster McCain, Power Stewart, for what they can do for this year's team, while also keeping in mind what the next season would be twenty four twenty five. That season is the one where you'll really see them, uh, whether they can take off, um, granted, if they stick around.
0: Yeah, again, the more the more uh, seasons we're adding to the averages and that sort of thing will kind of help figure out what this uh, program looks like under Shire. But it does feel like uh, it's set up for success here in the years to come. Connor, as always, it's outstanding to catch up with you. Appreciate your thoughts, insights, and perspective. And I know that uh, some of my viewers and listeners always love when they get a Connor O'Neill episode drop here on the program. So just want to thank you once again for stopping by here today.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: All right. That's our pal Connor O'Neill from Devils Illustrated joining us here on the program. And that's going to do it for today's episode of Lockdown Blue Devils. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at LO underscore Blue Devils. Subscribe on YouTube and on your podcast platform of choice as well. That'll do it for today's show. As always, go Duke. I'll talk to you on Monday. My name is JJ Jackson. Thank you, A&. Good day.